Amen. 
After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday, day two of our JM in the AM fundraiser. Remember, it's very, very easy to give and support us and keep us going for another year. Go to fjbunity.org. FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. FJBunity.org. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> 10 minutes after 6 AM, it's day two of our three-day fundraiser, and um, my name is Nahum Siegel. I am uh, requesting that everybody out there who's tuned into this amazing and incredible radio broadcast uh, pay attention for just the next minute or so as I remind you that today is an important day. You know, in the old days, when we had day two of our fundraiser, there was a long, long marathon of fundraising remaining. A long one. <laughs> Very long. I mean, it took up uh, 126th of the year, frankly. Now what we've done is we've um, maintained our regular schedule. In fact, today you'll notice that we've really maintained our regular schedule. And um, what we do is we, we go on the air a couple of times during the year. Uh, now during these three days and generally uh, uh, before Rosh Hashanah time and toward the end of the calendar year. And we ask everybody to remember us. We ask everybody to um, to support JM and the AM and keep us going for another year. That's how it works. And uh, everybody out there has a, has a role, a responsibility, if in fact you enjoy this show each day and if you enjoy our network uh, all through the week. Um, to to support us to whatever degree you can. I don't always like making this comparison for some reasons that might be obvious, but uh, you're familiar with Channel 13 and you're familiar with the fact that they have many revenue streams and all of them are important in keeping them going and we have the same type of arrangement where every one of our revenue streams are great sponsors and um, our wonderful corporate sponsors and our incredible donors all have a role in keeping us going making us stronger and stronger, allowing us to do even more amazing things. And that has led uh, to the continuation of this 35-year tradition of JM and AM every single weekday morning. Always on. Always on. And it is so hard. It, it is so difficult to make a statement like that in our community because we talk about, uh, you know, we talk about the fact that, not, that you, you shouldn't always trumpet the fact that, that something is always anything because we know the way this world works and who's really in charge. But we are always on. We're always here, thank God, Hara. And we're always providing amazing programming. We'll be here this Monday on Memorial Day. There'll be a lot of people working, a lot of people who are, even those who aren't working, who want to hear a great live show on a Monday. Uh, tomorrow, Malcolm Honeline will be with us. Even though we're fundraising, Malcolm Honeline will be on the air with us tomorrow. We'll analyze the news of the week. Uh, we have an amazing opportunity every single day, every single week, to keep this radio show going and to... Um, and to keep its benefits going, the entertainment, the news, the information, etc. So all I ask is that over today and tomorrow, you remind your friends and relatives that we are in the midst of this fundraiser. If they do want to call us specifically during the day and uh, give us a pledge you know, over the phone, if they're more comfortable doing that, uh, we'll certainly open up our phones tomorrow. But even during the day today, during business hours, they can reach us at 212-529-4620. In addition, the easiest way to give is to go to the website, fjbunity.org, FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. And of course, uh, what might be the easiest way, certainly for us, uh, but maybe even for you, um, those of you who've received already the envelope in the mail asking for you to participate in this spring fundraiser, um, please respond. Please respond and send it back with as generous a donation as possible. And overnight, I see that people from Israel and 
Florida and California and, of course, New York and New Jersey have contributed overnight. We'll have a chance to thank them later on. All I could say right now collectively is one big thank you. 14 minutes after the hour, after 6 a.m. here on the East Coast in the New York area. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have an app. You can interact with us by commenting on the app. Go to the Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Be more than happy to see your comments and read them. And um, and uh, give generously at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.
מלחמות קשות, רדיפות כואבות, בכל זמן, בכל מקום. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. עלילות שקרים, צוררים קשים, שרוצים רק להרוס. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לרחובות העיר, ניקח אוויר עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. השנאה תיפול, הקנאה תחתור, ויגידו אז בקור. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לחובות העיר, מכך מדינות ענק ואימפריות כה גדולות, כמעט שנעלמו ואנחנו עוד כאן. כך אלפי שנים מעטים מורבים ואין ספור של ניסים, עם ישראל חי, אנחנו עוד כאן. Thank you. 
Sham in the AM, brand new Miami. That's the uh, Miami Forever album. Esmach Bashem opens up the album, and that's that great song here at JM in the AM. Yachmiel Begun looks like he'll be visiting us one week from today. One week from today, looks like he'll be in studio with us here at JM in the AM. Look forward to talking about the brand new album, that's for sure. Uh, before that, you heard the uh, Shalshala selections, Vahu Kaili and Yibane off of We're Coming Home. Simcha Liner had Navar and Neshama sandwiched in between the Diaspora reunion from uh, Hask 2014 with Pishuli here at JM in the AM. Thursday morning, 66 degrees, sunshine, and a high temperature of 81, reminding everybody that we are in the midst of our very, very short spring fundraiser. This is how we do it now. We have these small fundraisers throughout the year. Today, it's a three-day fundraiser, day two asking everybody to support JM and the AM and keep us going for yet another year. Easy methods to do so, and especially on a Thursday when there's so much amazing original content to enjoy, we ask that you uh, that you respond. We have such great shows coming up all through the day, including this one, by the way, with some amazing guests this morning. Uh, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Return the envelope you got in the mail and do so as soon as you can. Um, those are two amazing methods to get your donations in fjbunity.org. And again, uh, just send back that donation in the envelope provided if you're on our mailing list, that's how it works. It's as simple as that. And I hope you, uh, you'll be inclined to respond and to give generously and to tell your friends and relatives and to post on Facebook and share on all your social media. All the reasons why it's important to support JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. I thank you for all of that. We continue at a quarter before seven o'clock with Mordechai Shapiro. It's JM and the AM. I 
J.M. in the A.M. with Derek Achim. It is America's one and only <clears throat> Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world, and the web, and on the Nachum Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. 
Ani Mamin from Derech Achim, Michal Brzezinski's Mia Ish. You heard Machar done by Mordechai Shapiro. Your Achmiel begun Miami Boys Choir with Esmach. Your Achmiel expected in our studio a week from today. Looking forward to greeting him here at JM in the AM. About the brand new album, 66 degrees, sunshine, a high temperature of 81. The website's open, fjbunity.org. fjbunity.org. That's how you could support us this week during our three-day fundraiser. Support us as generously as possible. We'll thank some of you uh, coming up. Some of the great people have already donated. Let's see. What did we do here? There's something wrong with the background. There we go. All right. Figured out a way to only air Galitzal news in the background. How do you like that? It's a Thursday at the Nahum Siegel Network, so a lot's going on. By the way, don't forget our friends at Uden's Appliances. They are open Memorial Day weekend. Uden's Appliances. They are open Memorial Day weekend. We'll give you some details coming up. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. Newscast next. Shana 2, Shalom Rav, Kanran Yovnai, Ima Shekorei Akshav. לעיני עיתונאים זרים, קוריאה הצפונית הורסת אתר ניסויים גרעיני מרכזי. כתובתנו מאיה רחלין. לפי עיתונאים הזרים בחצי האי הקוריאני, הדיקטטורה החלה בהריסת המתקן לניסויים גרעיניים פיונגרי. בצד זה מקיים קים ג'ונג און את הבטחתו לנשיא ארצות הברית טראמפ לקראת המפגש המתוכנן שלהם ב-12 ביוני. חשוב לזכור כי לפני חצי שנה נהרס האתר במהלך ניסוי גרעיני, וכנראה לא יהיה ניתן לעשות בו שימוש בכל מקרה. חייל צה"ל נפצע אנוש בפעילות מבצעית הבוקר בשומרון, כתבנו הצבאי צחי דבוש. לוחם יחידת דובדבן נפגע בראשו מלבנה שנזרקה לעברו במהלך פעילות מבצעית למעצר מבוקשים החשודים בפעילות טרור במחנה פליטים סמוך לרמאללה. הוא פונה במצב אנוש של יחידת הטראומה של בית החולים הדסה עין כרם בירושלים. מצה"ל נמסר כי הודעה נמסרה למשפחתו. הארגון הסורי לזכויות אדם מדווח כי בתקיפה של הקואליציה הבינלאומית הלילה בסוריה נהרגו 12 בני אדם, כולם לוחמים זרים. בסוריה דווח כי הכוחות בהובלת ארצות הברית תקפו באמצעות מטוסי קרב את בסיס T2 סמוך לגבול עם עיראק. אלפי עובדים במערכת הבריאות הכריזו על שביתה מיום ראשון במחאה על מחסור בכוח אדם. כתובתנו עמית חדד. ביום ראשון הקרוב, החל מהשעה שבע בבוקר, ישבתו כחמשת אלפים עובדים ברחבי הארץ, בהם פיזיותרפיסטים, תזונאים, מרפאים בעיסוק, שיננים ויועצים גנטיים. כך הכריזה היום ההסתדרות. הרקע לשביתה הוא מחסור חמור בתקנים להעסקת עובדים במקצועות נלווי רפואה. לטענת ההסתדרות, המחסור בתקנים הביא להתרחבות צורות העסקה פוגעניות ולפגיעה חמורה בעובדים ובאיכות השירות לציבור. נוי חדד, המכונה המדם של תל אביב, הורשעה בניהול שני בתי בושת וסרסרות. כתבתנו פיי גוטמן. חדד הודתה לאחר הליך גישור בכתב אישום מתוקן, גם בעבירות של שיבוש הליכי משפט, עבירות מס והלבנת הון. היא ניהלה בשיתוף נאשמת נוספת שני בתי בושת בתל אביב, סרסרה בעשרות נשים והרוויחה מיליוני שקלים. היא צפויה לעונש מאסר של שנתיים ותשלום פיצויים בגובה 50 אלף שקלים. הפרופסור ברנרד לואיס, מגדולי החוקרים בתחום ההיסטוריה של האסלאם, הובא למנוחות בבית העלמין ברחוב טרומפלדור בתל אביב, והוא בן 102. שר הביטחון לשעבר משה בוגי יעלון ספד לו. יש לו תרומה עצומה לא רק לביטחון ישראל, לביטחון העולם המערבי. ומהרגע שנפגשנו, כשהייתי ראש אמ"ן, חיפשתי כל הזדמנות לפגישה איתו. כמובן גם חלקתי איתו את מה שאני יודע על ההתפתחויות החדשות. ומזג האוויר למחר תחול עלייה ניכרת בטמפרטורות ויעשה שרבי. אלה החדשות שעורך יותם לביא.
out of slaves Made it to the motherland and they came the crusades It's been so many years crying, so many tears Don't you know, don't you really know We are pushed to the ground through our faith We are found standing strong The Spanish Inquisition wanted us to bow But our banks ain't gonna bend Never then and never now It's been so many years Crying so many tears Don't you know, don't you really know We are pushed to the ground Through our faith we are found Standing strong We are a miracle We From above, we are a miracle. Extermination was the plan when the devil was a man. But the few who carried on leave the millions who are gone.
Jam in the AM with Garrison Varoba. Thursday morning, day two of our three-day fundraiser, reminding everybody to give generously at fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org. Special greetings this morning to the honorees at tonight's Kushner Yeshiva High School, Joseph Kushner Academy dinner. Tonight is the Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School annual dinner, the 70th. And um, it is with great pleasure that we wish a mazel tov to Jody and Dr. Stephen Reich, to Rabbi Richard Kirsch, and I know Rabbi Kirsch for a long time. It'll be great to see him tonight. And to Barry and Mr. S. Simon Jacob. Simon and Barry, from what we are told, have been cited in the United States. They are in from Aretz. And tonight, they are going to be um, rightfully honored by yet another great cause, another wonderful institution. In this case, of course, it is the uh, Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy, Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School. Um it's all happening tonight. So I look forward to being there. Uh, Stacy and I look forward to being there. And um, look forward to greeting everybody. Mazal tov to, uh, to Barry and Simon and all of the uh, wonderful honorees tonight. Uh, so we have our fundraiser going on as we speak. Um, fjbunity.org fjbunity.org you are all uh, you're all encouraged to um, to give as generously as possible uh, my thank you to uh, Jeffrey Hershorn says enjoy your show here in Efrat Israel keep up the wonderful work and broadcast thank you Mr. Hershorn that is amazing when people from Israel who are enjoying the show support us. Thank you. David Shapiro has given $100 to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting in honor of Miriam Wallach. Thank you. Ronnie Sklar in honor of children and grandchildren in Teaneck, Beitari Leet, and Neve Yaakov. Thank you for your entertaining and informative Jewish programming as well as your support of Israel. Ronnie comes from Staten Island, New York. Thank you for that generous donation. Our good friend Willie Hochman, who has been uh, such an amazing, not only supporter financially, but one of the uh, greatest cheerleaders we have out there for JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. All he wants to see us is uh, grow and grow and grow. And I thank Willie Hochman and the Hochman family in honor of Nahum, Miriam, and the dedicated NSN staff. Uh, a 10 times high donation. And Willie reminds everybody, if you are a professional in the Jewish not-for-profit sector looking for a job or looking to hire staff, contact the Joel Paul Group, info at joelpaul.com, info at joelpaul.com. I hope Matis is listening to this one. I don't know if he's tuned in. I spoke to him early this morning and the new grandpa is in, a, is in an amazing mood, as you would suspect. After all, he's got uh, a brand new granddaughter. And um, 
he was so happy to hear that day one yesterday of our fundraiser went well at fjbunity.org. And I thank Matis uh, without his support and without his help, we would not be at this stage where we're doing our own fundraisers at this point. Uh, so the reason I want Matis to, uh, to hear this is because our really, really wonderful old friend, and uh, he knows when I say old, I just mean that we know each other a long time, uh, Richie Starshevsky and the Starshevsky family. He writes, it's a $250 donation. He writes, Dear Nacho, Matus, etc. I am listening to you on a Bluetooth earbud every single day, usually from 6 a.m. your time. This is during my walk in the swimming pool in Natanya. What a way to get my exercise. Great music, Richie Starshevsky. Well, Richie, I thank you. It is such a, it is heartwarming. Uh, for us to hear from you and to hear that you're listening every day. And then on top of that, uh, to thank you for your support is really amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Martin Berkowitz in Woodmere, a $100 donation. Thank you very much. Um, Suri Norowitz in the Norowitz family, in honor of Nahum Siegel and the great work he does for Am Yisrael. Thank you for that. A $100 donation. Trying to see what else came in overnight here. Paul Bellitz, the Bronx, New York, $100. Thank you. Remember, you can make your own donation right now at fjbunity.org to keep JM and the AM going. And we do welcome four, five, six-figure donations as high as you want to go. We welcome them. Trust me. Again, it's fjbunity.org. fjbunity.org. I was in a um, I was in a car yesterday with Yoni Pollock and Miriam Wallach, and I saw the notice that we had gotten a ten times high donation from the following individual, and I was like, "Wow, that uh, that is really a tribute to us." And uh, it's from Gil Student, and I say that because he is one of the uh, the most well read. And most well-read in, in, in two different ways. Not only is he well-read, but he's well-read <laughs> by people who read his stuff. And he has always been, a uh, again, another cheerleader of ours here at the Malcolm Siegel Network. Gil Student, 10 times high. Thank you, Gil, from out in, um, in Brooklyn, New York. I want to thank Robin Amster, who has donated at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Uh, the donation is honor is in honor and in memory of the upcoming yard site of uh, Robin's wonderful dad, Bernard Novick. And I thank you very much for that. Richard Zinneman, I saw this last night. It came through um, it came through last evening, fjbunity.org. Um Richard Zinneman on uh, the uh, Upper West Side of Manhattan, has donated one hundred plus twenty six dollars, and this seven times high donation is in honor of his wonderful grandchildren, Sophie Schwechter, Benji Schwechter, Julie Schwechter, Matthew Schwechter, Chloe Zinneman, Judah Zinneman, and Grace Zinneman. And Richard, to you, I say thank you. One big thank you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Everybody out there, you can contribute now on day two of our three-day fundraiser. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. I thank you. 
Alexandra Moradi is out in our audience. Alexandra has donated a memory of her grandmother, Esther Basizev, whose first yard site is this Sunday night. May her neshama have an aliyah, and we say amen to that. And um, I remind you that, well, that, that would mean that the yard site is Monday, right? Sunday night, Monday. I remind you, meaning everybody in this audience, that not only do we uh, ask you once a year to donate, but all through the year, including now on the FJB Unity website, uh, you can actually dedicate in memory of somebody a specific portion of our show or an entire show or by Goldwasser's words or by Uden's words, etc. All the information is at fjbunity.org. Just click on sponsorship opportunities. I want to thank Rebecca Novak. Rebecca Novak is um, out in Lawrence, New York, and has donated three times Chayla Zecher Nishmas Zev Ben Moshe and Pesel Bas Moshe Yitzchak. Thank you very much. This is a sample. I, I, I chose a good sample of uh, some of the people who have responded, especially uh, overnight last night, uh, to thank. Uh, we thanked a bunch of people yesterday for good reason, because they came through yesterday for us, uh, many of them during our show itself. And I remind everybody, you have an opportunity to support us, to keep us going, to continue to enjoy and to be inspired by everything that we do on a daily basis. Um... I am told by Trucker Yitz on the app that the local traffic to the Holland Tunnel in New Jersey is so messed up. Well, that's very, very sad to hear, Yitz, but for us, it means people are going to be in their cars for a little longer. So if, in fact, you're uh, you're sitting there and wondering you know, what to do with the time, this would be a golden opportunity to head to fjbunity.org. And give us a generous donation. By the way, those of you who have received the envelope in the mail, if you're on our mailing list and you received the envelope in the mail, make sure to uh, get that back to us as soon as you can with a generous donation. Yet another method to support us here at JM in the AM. 23 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning from JM in the AM. Like, 
J.M. in the A.M. By the way, I want to wish a happy birthday to uh, Rabbi Sharbat. Many of you are familiar with uh, Rabbi Sharbat from the uh, Sephardic Minion at Congregation of Asachim and A. Jacob and David. Also, of course, from the uh, Kushner School in Livingston, New Jersey. Rabbi Sharbat, happy birthday to you from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. 70th annual dinner at the Kushner Schools is tonight. Mazal Tov, Rabbi Richard Kirsch. Mazal Tov, Jody and Dr. Stephen Reich. And, of course, Mazal Tov to Barry and Simon Jacob. They are in from Israel, ready for the big celebration this evening, as are we. Very much looking forward to the uh, to the big celebration tonight at the 70th annual dinner for the Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy and the Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School. Mazal tov again to all the honorees. 66 degrees, sunshine, a high temperature of 81. We're in the midst of our fundraiser here at JM in the AM fjbunity.org. You know, today we have an amazing lineup. Aside from our guests who are going to be joining us here on JM in the AM, we've got some incredible people that are going to be on during the day today. At 9 o'clock, Unlocking Greatness with Charlie Harari. Spin class with Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder at 9.30. Jew in the City Speaks. Allison Joseph's at 10. At 10.30, That's Life with Miriam L. Wallach. Miriam speaks to Chaplain Ira Cronenberg. Uh, United States Army retired, who served for 36 years in the U.S. Army. They'll commemorate Memorial Day in the United States with a conversation at 10.30 this morning. Live lunch. We'll do the live lunch from our New York City studios, and we'll continue to beg everybody to participate in our fundraiser for 5778. Uh, that'll be the live lunch and Throwback Thursday and JM Rewind and the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, sponsored by our wonderful friends at Kedem. Tomorrow, we will get Malcolm Honeline on at some point. 
uh, around 740. Even though we'll be fundraising, we'll certainly get them on at some point. And um, tomorrow should be an amazing day. Saturday night, you have Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull. Sunday, you have Matas with JM. Sunday at 7 o'clock, even on Memorial Day weekend. I am here on Memorial Day itself. I'm telling you, we got a lot going on. we got a lot going on. So participate with us by by supporting us. Participate with us by giving us a vote of confidence. By investing in something that you could depend on for 35 years in a row. What does Matis always uh, estimate? I think he always estimates that I'm on the air. Um, about 250 with Yuntov and everything. Somewhere about 230, 235 shows a year, right? 235 times 35. Oh my gosh. I can't even think of doing that in my head. Well, let's just see. Let's just see for argument's sake. 235 times 35. Wow. We're talking about over 8,200 morning shows that I've done already. 8,200. You know, that's that's almost that's 25,000 hours of just JM and the AM. You know, we, we are, I always say this, and I always use the expression, but I got, I got to keep saying it. We are a proven commodity. We're here, we're reliable, we're entertaining, we're informative. On the, on the slowest of days we are here, on the fastest of days we are here, Memorial Day we're here, Purim we're here, Cholamoid we're here, Nine Days we're here, Tishabov we're here. I mean, could you imagine? FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. Please, please give generously. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zebnabilsavalevi and Zechonishmas Esther Basrabilsavalevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in Bereshis, Vayeta Yitzchok Lashem, in Yitzchok entreated Hashem, Lenoichach Ishto, opposite his wife, Kyakorohi, because she did not have any children. A 52 year old woman living in America didn't have any children. She and her husband had tried everything, but nothing helped. Desperate of a Yeshua, she turned to a Rav and asked for a bracha that she should be able to conceive. The Rav told her, if you want to have a child, go to Eretz Yisroel. There you will conceive. When a friend of the family heard what the Rav said, he was bothered. To move to Eretz Yisroel on the Rav's say-so, why should they be able to accomplish in Eretz Yisrael what they hadn't been able to accomplish in the States? They had already seen the best doctors. It didn't help. Moreover, the woman was no longer so young. Why, the pressing need right now to travel to Eretz Yisrael, he just couldn't figure it out. Did everything the Rav ever said come true? However, the couple could not be deterred. The woman said, who knows if this is going to help? And I will indeed be able to conceive in Eretz Yisrael. Finally, the friend said, If you give birth there, I'll sell all my belongings and I'll sit and learn in Eretz Yisrael. The couple went ahead with their plans. They ignored all their detractors. They settled in Eretz Yisrael. Baruch Hashem, nine months later, 
the woman gave birth to twins. When the friend heard about this, he immediately traveled to Eretz Yisrael and went to the great Goin Reb Chaim Kanievsky Shlita. He told him what had happened and asked whether he had to sell all of his belongings in order to come and learn in Eretz Yisrael. After all, he had not really meant that he was going to do it. Reb Chaim answered him, You have to be Mekayim Yor Haftacha. You have to fulfill your promise. You must sell your belongings and come to Eretz Yisrael and learn. It is very likely that only in the schus of your haftacha, of your promise, that you are mekabel upon yourself, that you accept it upon yourself, that the woman conceived. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
JM in the AM. Thursday morning with Zusha and Yoel's Nigun. How do you like that? That's Zusha and Yoel's Nigun. FJBUnity.org, everybody. FJBUnity.org. That's Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. We're in day two of our three-day fundraiser. Give as generously as you can. We have an amazing lineup on Thursdays, as you know, an amazing lineup on Thursdays. And I especially have to thank, and this this category just keeps getting larger and larger and larger, all the people that are contributing from Israel. Um, We've made a big deal over the years about those who had checked in from various parts of the United States, which is wonderful, and we welcome it like crazy, and that number also continues to grow. But it's uh, heartwarming to hear from... uh, Natanya and Beit Shemesh and Alon Shvut and uh, all the different areas. Oh, speaking of which, I want to thank uh, Aliza and Ari Ginsburg, uh, Dr. and Mrs. Ginsburg, earlier today, um, contributed at fjbunity.org. And I thank them very, very much. This is a... Um, Let's see. I just want to. I just want to read it to everybody, if I may. Um. Hang on a second. Yeah, they had a nice message. Had, yeah, here it is. Aliza and Ari Ginsburg. You guys are amazing. We love listening in Beit Shemesh. So my point exactly. A big thank you to those, especially in Israel, who make it their business every afternoon to turn us on. And uh, make it their business, frankly, morning, afternoon, and night. So many people to turn us on, just keep us going, uh, whether we have live programming on or not. JM and the AM on this um, Thursday morning broadcast, full day. We'll go through the schedule coming up, full day, lots going on. Tremendous amount happening, to say the least. And we'll update you as we uh, get closer. Don't forget, by the way, that OHEL this coming Sunday has their OHEL OXC. The OL Extreme Challenge, it's happening up on the uh, Camp Cayley campus. Uh, they are desperately, and I say that in a in a really good way, trying to get to 500 participants because when they do, they have an anonymous family foundation that's going to donate $100,000. So go to the OHEL OXC website. Yeah, no joke. Go to the OHEL OXC website and do your part. Do what you can. Uh, to contribute and uh, to become a participant. If you become, become a participant, you'll help, their, help them achieve that goal, help them get to that number. Uh, our good friend Cantor Joel Kaplan is with us live via telephone. Congregation Beth Shalom has their 16th annual Cantorial concert this coming Tuesday night, starting at 745 at Beth Shalom, Washington Avenue and Broadway in Lawrence, New York. Chazen Joel Kaplan, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's great to be here, Nachum. And I remind our audience, um, uh, the Kaplan family suffered a tremendous um, uh, tragedy this past uh, Pesach, on the Cholomoid Pesach. And uh, Joel, as you know, there are many, many people, not just us here uh, at the network, but so many people who have um, expressed uh, uh, condolences and have uh, expressed concern, certainly for your family. And... um, uh, many, many, many more uh, are constantly thinking of you, even if you don't hear from them, um, frankly. So I just want you to know that the community, as you probably have felt, uh, certainly feels a, a, a part of the pain that uh, you and your family are going through. Yes, we definitely feel that um, the love from all around the world 
and uh, that's what keeps us going. We we know that my daughter and her uh, husband are in a much better place, and they're together, and uh, we're trying to cope with the loss, and everyone is helping us cope. And uh, uh, the one above should continue to help you and your entire family. This coming Tuesday night is a, a real tradition at this point, to say the least. It's the 16th annual cantorial concert at Congregation Beth Shalom. It's done in memory of Cantor, Cantor Moshe Ehrlich. I don't know if uh, in the early years you thought the, you thought you'd get to year 16, Joel, but it's <laughs> a pretty amazing accomplishment, frankly. Actually, if you, um, my predecessor, who, who were dedicating the concert right. to, had his own um, series of concerts, and Cantor Daniel Gildar, who is our accompanist uh, and has been, you know, the world's probably premier accompanist, um, said that it was his 40th or 41st year consecutively uh, <laughs> at uh, Beth Shalom <laughs> at a concert. An, so even, an even better streak than I thought, to yeah, say the uh, least. <laughs> and Beth Shalom, you know, you guys don't, uh, you don't play around. You get top-notch uh, chazanim. In addition That's- to yourself, there's Cantor Yitzchak Mayer Helfgott, there's Cantor Yankee Lemmer and Cantor Shulam Lemmer, all who are going to be part of it, plus the amazing choir, which you'll tell us about mm-hmm. in a moment. It's a Tuesday night at Beth Shalom. And uh, frankly, and, and some may even argue you don't even need to be speaking to me this morning because, frankly, usually there's not a seat available once this thing starts, right? Correct, correct. How's it going this year? Is it the same thing happening? It's actually uh, even more um, <laughs> more exciting. And and but but first, I have to just take care of one piece of business. When yeah. I told Rabbi Hain yesterday that I would have this chus of being on Nachum Siegel's show, so he said, "Please, please, please give regards from Rabbi Hain." And uh, that's what I'm doing. And <laughs> everyone could listen in as I give you regards. He's the greatest, Rabbi Hain. I appreciate oh. that. Regards back. Oh, he is. I will. We'll do so. Thank you. I, the, the the point it said actually is is that the um, I think in any other concert, if we had any one of the three right. stars that you mentioned, right. it would be a great concert. And uh, the fact that we have all three, Chazan Helfgott, Chazan Yanki Lemmer, Chazan Shalom Lemmer, who's making his first appearance in Beth Shalom, and maybe in the five towns, I'm not exactly sure, but it might be. And as my mother would say, four star performers. Because <laughs> um, she's counting you, which we are. We're also counting you, by the there way. There you go. <laughs> um, and and of course the fantastic choir who are made up of uh, who are led by Maestro Eric Freeman right. and uh, twenty uh, men who devote themselves uh, to very stringent uh, uh, rehearsals and um, very complicated but very stirring um, compositions. So we're really, really, really looking forward to it. Um, and we have we have chazanis for those who love chazanis, and it's high level chazanis. We have a lot of contemporary songs. We have uh, a lot of uh, audience favorites. When they come, they'll understand what I mean. Uh, a couple of Yid- uh, one Yiddish song, and we have some duets. It's really something for everybody. Yeah, there are a lot of cloud- crowd pleasers on the list of selections. So yes, yes, pe- people and- feel very comfortable whether they're really into chazanis or not. Right, right, and people who weren't into chazanis and come, find that with the level that we have, uh, they all of a sudden really uh, you know, find that they like, uh, like Chazonis, yeah. so at least the way it's presented by Chazon Health Guide and Chazon Lemmers. Um, and, and I have to thank if, uh, our, our co-chairs, uh, Chairman Alan Bankwalter and co-chair Bernie Fuchs. Uh, and you probably know some of the people who are um, 
primary performance and collation sponsors, Linda and Ben Brofman. Sure. In memory of, uh, of Ben's uh, parents, Solomon and Rose Brofman, and Dr. Sherry and Joel Weiner, in memory of her father, Coleman Stoyer. Very cool. It's Congregation Beth Shull on the 16th annual Cantorial Concert. Open to everybody. You don't have to be from Long Island, folks. You can come from far and wide, and people do. That's right. Uh, it's happening this Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, May 29th, starting at 745 at Beth Shull on Washington Avenue and Broadway in Lawrence. Uh, tickets available online, BethShullamLawrence.org. BethShullamLawrence.org. You'll see a tab there for Cantorial Concert. That's one of the easy ways to get tickets, to speak directly to somebody by phone, 516-569-3600, 516-569-3600. Again, we're recommending BethShalomLawrence.org. And as you heard, not only will there be a performance, but a collation as well, co-sponsored by the Brofmans and the Wieners. Uh, information again, go to the web, BethShalomLawrence.org, and it's happening on Tuesday night. If you just tuned in, the lineup includes Cantor Helfgott, Cantor's Lemmer, both Shulam and um, and Yankee, and of course Cantor Joel Kaplan plus the choir. So it's going to be an amazing night. And Joel, as we said earlier in this conversation, you do expect every seat to be filled that evening. Yes, yes. So people better act now if they want to get a seat. That, and that's that's correct. That's have good you, advice. You always give good advice. Have you uh-huh. turned people away in the past or not? Uh, we it, there are a couple of times when we were thinking of doing a closed circuit. Um, oh, yeah. You know, in the in the ballroom. But we couldn't because the ballroom is completely full with food for the coalition. So, <laughs> all right. So everybody out there, it, it's it, it's a sense of urgency if you want to be there to see Tuesday night at the Cantorial concert at Beth Shalom. Joel, best to you and the entire family. We should celebrate Smachot together and good luck Amen. on Tuesday night. Thank you for everything. A pleasure, cousin Joel Kaplan. Everybody, the Cantorial concert Tuesday night, seven forty-five at Beth Shalom in Lawrence. Information, BethShalomLawrence.org. Or you could dial the number, uh, 516-569-3600. JM the AM Thursday, it's day two of our three-day fundraiser. Everybody out there has an opportunity to keep us going. Keep us going with great conversations, great information. Keep us going. Most most stations and networks have fundraisers, and they, they would never do anything during those days except fundraise here we go through our regular show we do the music we have conversations about community events we do it all all we ask is that you support us fjbunity.org fjbunity.org and feel free to use the envelope that you've hopefully received in the mail to send back a generous donation speaking of Cantor Helfgott here he is at JM in the AM
The great Cantor Yitzchak Mayer Helfgott. He leads that amazing lineup this coming Tuesday night at Beth Shalom on Washington Avenue in Broadway in Lawrence, New York, in the Cantorial Concert at Congregation Beth Shalom. Thursday morning broadcast, it's JM in the AM. Remember, we are in the midst of our uh, three-day JM in the AM, Nahum Siegel Network Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting fundraiser, asking everybody out there to be as generous as possible and to continue to support us for yet another year during our spring fundraiser. I want to acknowledge those who have... Um, who have um, participated over the last few minutes, literally, in our fundraiser. Um, oh my gosh, is this true? <laughs> this person writes, this person gives three times high and says, many, many years ago when my children were small, I won tickets to an Uncle Maishi concert. After the concert, I found my car had a flat tire. No one I asked was able to help me change it. I went inside to get the address to call AAA, and Nahum, you came outside and changed my tire. Wow. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Uh, this person does not want me to uh, identify who it is, but I really appreciate that. Listen to you via my Amazon Echo in Florida. Wow, that's wonderful. Thank you very, very much for that donation. Much appreciated. Um, Susan Lazaroff. Milford, Pennsylvania has donated four times high in memory of her dear father, Murray Katz. Thank you, Susan. And um, a 10 times high donation from our friend uh, Miriam Holstock. Miriam's amazing. Um, it comes from uh, Lenny and Miriam Holstock in honor of their children, grandchildren, great-grandson, and special Tzayshem Shalom to their children, Daniela and Avi Robinson, and their four children making Aliyah on July 24th. We are on that flight, on the Nefesh Benefesh flight. We are on that flight. Um, we wish them all the mazel and bracha. We are on that flight. Yeah, and Lenny's also amazing. So Miriam and Lenny, thank you very, very much for that donation. It's much appreciated. Anybody out there would like to help get us to our goal, it's fjbunity.org, FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, FJBunity. Dot org. I got to acknowledge Rabbi Bender. He he claims uh, that he uh, he gets a special shout out because again he has called in on time for his on air conversation here at JM and the AM. So Rabbi Bender, I Baruch Bear Bender, of course, the director, the president, the head of uh, Achiezer. Uh, I say kudos to you and welcome back to JM and the AM. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> I almost spit up my coffee just now. Thank you very much for that. Uh, illustrious shout out, and it's uh, absolutely great to be here. Well, you get a special uh, a special shout out this morning for that reason. And Yitzi Halpern, who is the uh, editor, the publisher, I should say, of the uh, Jewish Home publication, is with us live via telephone. Yitzi, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. Humbled to be in the presence of two great community leaders. Thank you. <laughs> Rabbi Bender says much appreciated. Uh, Monday, Monday Memorial Day, starting at 2 p.m., there's a community safety fair presented by Achiezer and the Jewish Home. It's free admission. It's happening at the Lawrence Middle School. Everybody's invited this Monday between 2 and 5 p.m. Not sure who we should start with. Rabbi Bender, you want to kick this off about why there's a community safety fair this Monday? Absolutely. I'll start and pass the torch over. Um, to be very honest, you know, at Achiezer, I think, Nachum, you know this more than most um, because of your close relationship with the leadership of our organization. I don't just mean myself, um, but people all the time, because of our established infrastructure, approach us with different ideas, programming, so on and so forth. Right. And very often, you know, it's not always the right thing or the right fit or appropriate or 
we have to make sure that we keep our focus where it needs to be. Um, but to be perfectly honest and to give the credit where it's due, although he'll say it's all us, um, when you see Halpern approach me with the need to do something proactively in the community to raise and heighten awareness um, in several critical areas, uh, all safety-related, and he said, you know, Barker, we need to do something big, and not big as in splashy big, big as an impactful, um, knowing Yitzi and, and knowing what he stands for as a personal friend as well, uh, I, we, we were immediately on board, uh, and we started to create this idea of making a safety fair, call it what you like, but an event that will really help us ensure that we are doing everything we can as we approach the summer months. Obviously, we believe Bermuda Shalema, we believe HaKadosh Baruch who's watching over us, but we have to do our own, our Hishtadalus, uh, and that's really how it all got created, uh, because Yitzhi felt that we need to do more to proactively protect our children, our families, and that's really how we landed up uh, on the cusp of making this big event uh, this coming Monday. It's happening this Monday, Memorial Day, between 2 and 5 at the Lawrence Middle School. It's a community safety fair. Okay, Yitzi Halpern, what are some of the things that we're going to try to educate the public about this coming Monday? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I just want to say that uh, I appreciate the, the credit, so to speak, Baruch Ber, but uh, you know, what really happened here is that uh, we had a very close family friend who uh, lost a child uh, that was left in a car, um, sweetest child and sweetest father who, you know, just made obviously the biggest mistake of his life. And it just uh, killed me that, like, it was, it's so avoidable. Obviously, if a mistake happens, it's the, it's the rest of Hashem. But somebody passing by would have seen the kid in the car and could have done something. There's so many things that could have happened. Um, and like I just like couldn't function, and I thought that there's got to be something that people could do, you know, to be more aware. Look in the car, you know. And then when it comes to fire safety, every time there's a fire, there should have been smoke alarms. Well, of course. And then people smoke, check their smoke alarms. Well, how can we do this in a way that we could kind of save people's lives and do it in a fun way where there's a carnival and a concert and a lot of food and etc. So. Like in everything in this town, life-related, staying alive, staying safe, you go to Rabbi Baruch Barbendi, Rabbi Achiezer, and they really did everything. Um, you know, we're just, you know, the sponsor. Yeah, we should really emphasize that, by the way. It is going to be a fun event, everybody. On, on Monday, you'll not only hear about summer vehicle safety and water safety and fire prevention from the fire department and police uh, tips from the police department, uh, but you'll also be uh, treated to an amazing carnival and a, a free concert by the Pumpadisa group. So, Yitzi, you're trying to make this not only educational, but you're trying to make this a fun day for families to come out at whatever point between 2 and 5 and just have a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. People need to have fun. can never have enough fun. And uh, just if you look at that Pumpadisa logo, I wouldn't want to miss that concert. How are you? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah, they, they, are, uh, they are certainly unique, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, people, yeah, yeah, people, people will see that and hear it on Monday. All right, it's all free. We should emphasize Yitzi Halpern. This entire thing is free. You don't, have to, you don't have to pay a penny to get in. You can bring your whole family, and you'll learn about exactly. water safety, summer vehicle safety. It's a right. really important time of year for both of those. Water. Right, I should add that it's all, all going to be done in a way, obviously, that uh, we will not traumatize children. We're not going to show buildings burning down. It's just <laughs> what parents and children could do right. and the capacities that they have to stay safe and plan for, God forbid, an emergency. And uh, I think this absolutely will save, uh, if not save lives, it will save people from being injured. And I do want to add that um, this is rain or shine. So the facility where we're doing it is a very big outdoor facility as well as an indoor facility. So oh, yeah. uh, 
this is happening. Uh, if Mashiach doesn't come, it's happening. Lawrence Middle School between 2 and 5 this coming Monday. Community Safety Fair, Pumbadisa Concert, uh, Carnival. Rybender, we have a minute to go here. Uh, am I right in your communication constantly with the uh, with the public safety authorities? The police and fire departments love when these fairs take place, right? They know that these really, really do help in terms of, preve- in terms of prevention. I'm, I'm going to respond very quickly. Absolutely. The enthusiasm from the local fire departments, from the police departments, uh, clearly, like, like you said, it's going to be a fun day as well. But they, are, they believe what you said. They believe it will save a life. And uh, on to the more serious things. And you know what? Whether it's, you know, Magain, New York, who does the Safety Kid Project, my friend Steve Glock reached out to me, make sure that, you know, camp safety is stressed right. and obviously a safe way to children. Right. Like you said about fire, you know, there's always loyal, no, oh, wait, there should never be again. Right. It's a swimming emergency. But you know what? People need to know basis. There are some amazing handouts being prepared, amazing giveaways for as far as the magnets to alert people to all that. And yes, the public safety community from the state police, by the way, who's coming to join us with some unbelievable assets to show. They really believe that if one life is saved, the same way we do in our Jewish community, they believe it's all worth it. So Milka Kielsen, who's really been the event coordinator leading the way, she has gotten such overwhelmingly positive responses as far as who wants to participate. So we're really excited. It's just going to be an all-around special, really amazing community. All right, more information, contact Achiezer, or you'll see it, no doubt, all over the Jewish home this week. It's Monday, 2 to 5, Lawrence Middle School, the Community Safety Fair Plus Concert plus Carnival. It's all free. Yitzi Halpern, Ray Bender, I thank you both very, very much. Thank you. We should always be here for happy occasions. Amen. More coming up at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app.
JM and the AM, brand new uh, from the uh, Yerachmiel Begun Miami Boys Choir. Yerachmiel with us a week from today to talk about the brand new album here at JM and the AM. Well, it's uh, <laughs> always the first first couple of minutes of uh, Dr. David Ross Marin's uh, visits to us here at JM and the AM, even before. You don't need those, it's up to you. But even before we get on the air, always very, very interesting. I've learned a lot over the last couple of minutes, including the fact that he just completed a brand new book. So he must have had a very anxiety-filled experience, because we know when it comes to writing books, that can be a very anxious experience. Good morning, Dr. Ross Barron. Welcome back to JM and the AM. Good morning, and thank you for putting me on the spot. <laughs> Am I right, though? It's a, an anxious experience? It's one filled with anxiety? I was pretty chilled, actually, throughout really? this one. Well, first, it took me four years, <laughs> yeah. but also I learned a lot about uh, the topic. It was a topic of love, and um, it's been it was, it was actually a lot of fun, believe it or not. Interesting. So writing books can be, and publishing in general, can be a pleasant experience. Can be most most <laughs> most authors you know are on the other side of this of this yeah, argument, right? I guess you've never heard that before. Yeah. That could be a harrowing experience. Center for Anxiety has a website, centerforanxiety.org. Their locations include West Fifty Seventh Street in New York City, Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, Route Fifty Nine up in Suffern, and one in Massachusetts as well that we always mention. And uh, it's been a while since we've seen you. Welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. Let me tell you what's been causing anxiety in the uh, in the Jewish world okay. uh, recently. First of all, with the with the embassy move, some people had some anxiety, yeah, no what, wondering what the reaction would be. No kidding. Uh, you know, in, in many cases, um, um, developing I don't know if this is a, a proper term, developing false anxiety or or or, or, or creating for themselves problems before they actually existed, thinking that the world would come to an end if the embassy was moved. So that was that was one thing that came to my mind. Very then, much so. Then I'll tell you another thing that was that was filled with anxiety outside of Israel. We just had a three day yuntif, and a, <laughs> a three day yuntif. I will tell you, can be a, an anxiety filled one as one spends seventy three hours with family and friends. It it certainly can be for for a variety of reasons, the family and friends, and also a lot of people today are not very good at chilling out and right. relaxing and enjoying. Right. So. When we have to do that for a protracted period, it's like, ah, what right. am I going to do? It's funny. Uh, the people that mentioned to me since Monday night how great it was to be disconnected, and you know what that term means these days, to be disconnected for three days, right, from they, they, were, they were all above a certain age. Nobody in their 20s said to me it was great being disconnected for three days. That's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a lost art to be able to, you know, R&R. Right. Actually, the truth is, one should be one should give themselves a pat on the back after Havdalah that they made it through the seventy-three <laughs> hours without without that anxiety or anxiousness of having no choice but to pick up their phone. I couldn't couldn't agree more. That's I true. That's huh? great. How was your yatuf? Was it relaxing? Great. The back? It was great. I relaxed. You didn't I feel at out. A, you didn't feel at a loss that you were missing anything with without the alerts or without the news or without all the other stuff coming. I, in? I have I have a. a an advantage that other people do not have. And that is? I see the difficulty of not doing so, and it's in my face professionally on a regular basis, so I know that I have to learn to chill, and so, I do. So it didn't bother you that you missed the royal wedding? That that was not a big concern of yours over Yonder. Royal what? what? Royal wedding? <laughs> what royal wedding? Anyway, so those, those are just a couple of areas that have been uh, causing a little bit of anxiety in the community recently. Both of those are behind us. There is something ahead of us, and that's uh, the summer months. This is a time when uh, when both parents and uh, youngsters are getting ready for summer camp. Right. Some of them very excited about it. Other the others of them not always excited. You know, anxious, wondering what the uh, experience is going to be like. By the way, sometimes I think 
that it might be more difficult for parents than for the campers. And I'll tell you why. For some reason, even those, uh, this has been my observation. And as you know, I know, I know a little bit about summer camping. Um, sure. It's it's always been my observation that the kids who are going through this first time experience have this this dual feeling going through them the tremendous excitement of this new adventure and stuff that things that their classmates and others have done before now they get to do and of course the other side they're you know somewhat anxious and wondering what's the experience going to be like it's a foreign environment etc right. but with the parents I don't know if they have the first one I think they only have the second one I don't think they have that excitement that their kid is going I think they're only worried about what this transition is going to be like yeah what the transition is going to be and what the fallout's going to be right. you know is it going to how it's going to impact them and also the cost you know, there's right. a number of reasons why the parents would uh, would have a difficulty with so it what so what advice right would you give at this time of year well there's a lot and it kind of relates to what we were saying before about the 3 day yumptive that um, you know, I think the most, what is summer camp for? Ultimately, it's about one thing. Three-letter word. Fun? Fun. Good. It's about having Thank God fun. I got that right. <laughs> I don't know. Someone may walk in and say, you know, enhanced education experience or something. That's exactly what it's not about. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> because, yeah, thank God is right. Because over the academic year, people are pushing their kids to the brink these days. And right. it's because everybody has to get ahead and we need to... Be either one, either because we have to one up somebody else, and our kids have to one up somebody else for status symbols, and also just to have a sense of accomplishment ourselves. That is not what summer is about. In fact, it's not really what life is about. Life is about connection and forging relationships, and the success we have is a tool to be able to forge those relationships. But at least for a couple months a year, at least for a kid, poor thing, you know, <laughs> goes has a double curriculum. Give she has a, a double, you know, has teachers and principals and people on his case or on her case the entire year with so much social pressure. And then it's not only during school, it's also the after school activities. Right. And those aren't fun. Those are tasks to be able to master. There are things that they have to be able to become a, you know, master, uh, whether it's ballet or right. uh, or an instrument. Or Plus, even if it is fun, it's part of a very rigorous schedule. It's all in, especially in New York, especially in the Northeast, right. it's, it's, it's pressure. Mm. And that's not what summer is for. Um, certain kids, though, it's tricky because they really have an acumen and it's really a great opportunity for them without an academic pressure to be able to immerse themselves in, let's say, a tennis camp. Or a ballet camp, a or specialty like camp. But those kids, I would never uh, put them in, in such a camp. I would never uh, recommend that they be in such a place unless they're the kind of kid who knows how to chill during the year. If they really can chill and relax and just hang with their friends, and they're um, they're able to do that, if they if they were um, not uh, negatively affected by the three day umptive, then they're a good. Then they might be a good candidate. Um, but pushing a kid beyond that. Um, for sure not. Interesting. Most, not today. I don't know about most, but there's a large group of parents that would not listen to your advice. I imagine so. That and would feel that the the alternate or the you know the um, the other side of the issue is more important. Getting them ahead and uh, you know getting them to hone a skill that could lead to whatever it ends up leading. That's to. That's exactly why I'm saying this. No, no, I get that. I'm yeah. just saying that it's not. It's it, to you, it's logical. To many of us, it says it doesn't seem like the logical uh, route. Well, I'm not sure if it's logical or if it's empirical because mm. we're looking at levels of anxiety and depression among children and young adults today that are far beyond what has ever what has ever occurred. Do many of them say they're overworked? 
Sure, if you ask them. It's they a feel, big symptom. Absolutely. If you have conversations with the children, and that we do anyway, or at least the ones who are coming into our office, they feel stressed. They feel that like people don't understand them. They feel that like they have... As young as? Six. And certainly teenagers. Teenagers for sure. They are in there. It's incredible pressure today um, to get ahead, which is so ironic because we're more affluent than we ever have as a society. Right. We're doing better. We're more successful than we ever have been. There's... There's more creature comforts and more basic things in place. More people have motor vehicles and indoor plumbing and, and electricity and, and, right, and than, than we ever have. Yet we're pushing ourselves harder than ever and we don't know how to relax it's even the for strangest 72 thing. hours. And taking two day vacations instead of two week vacations. <laughs> Let alone two months. Right. Oh, forget that. Yeah. Well, that, but that's part of life. You know, I, I was talking with, uh, with my partner here, David Braid, on the way in. We're talking about uh, about Shabbos. That Shabbos is part of life. You know, right. supposed to be once, one in every seven days. Just taking off. I'm not talking about Shabbos here. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the the idea that the need for rest. Human beings have a need for rest and recre- and recreation and relaxation and hanging out and just being and forging those connections and friendships. And that's what summer's for. It's funny because a lot of people. I'm just processing this as you're saying it. A lot of people would sit where you are and say, you know, we, a certain category of people, are called workaholics. Totally. And that is a, and, and, and what they would say is, it is a negative term to call someone a workaholic, not because, just follow me, not because um, they're describing a quote unquote disease like, you know, uh, alcoholic or something, you know, that's where they get the term from, obviously. But because they, because anybody who uses the term is degrading those who are spending their time working, who are you know utilizing their time productively, there are people who would say that. Yet you're saying that it, that well, what would you say about a workaholic? What would you say about somebody who is on you know twenty hours a day, seven days a week? What twenty would- hours is a lot. Listen, I- I'll tell you, I'm somewhat guilty as charged here because I'm working probably s- between sixty-five and eighty hours a week. Oh. And, so you're the perfect specimen yeah, for us to analyze. But when I chill out. I, I, I take time to chill out right. and relax. Because you're conscious of it. I, and I do it intentionally. And when I do that, then right. I'm with and my family. And some of the workaholics may not realize that they'll get more accomplished if they would do that. 100%. And, they, and their life in general would be even more productive if they would do that. Right. No question. The litmus test of a workaholic is, do you like to relax? Right. Do you like to chill? Or is it something that when you start to do it, this anxiety creeps right. in, tension creeps in? If it's the latter, then you should probably call my office. My, fam- my family <laughs> jokes that I can't go through a day if I haven't been on the air that morning. Well, you're so chilled now, so I don't know. Maybe you're working yet. Good idea. Maybe that's actually a good point. You know, maybe I'm so chilled it. on the air. That, that work is a chilling experience for me. Yeah, I, I maybe guess. As many, maybe as many have suggested it's not really work. <laughs> that could be. Yeah. I just you know channel that inner ability to chill in other contexts. All right, and- so back to the topic. Dave, uh, Dr. David Rosemarin is here, Center for Anxiety. What practical <laughs> advice are we giving to parents for the next few weeks, as they go through the next 30 days, because in about 30 days, the kids right. will be getting on the bus. What are we telling them about preparing themselves and their children for the summer? Right. Okay. So number one, just to sum up what we were saying is 
chill yourself, model chilling out behavior, tell, encourage your kids to chill out. Don't put them through more pressure than they have to be. That's number one. And in this case, that means don't sit and worry about stuff, that, which is happening a month from now, right? That's part of it. Or while they're there. Like, uh, are, or even you know, while are they going right. to be prepping for their SATs? No. And you know what? I hope not. I right. hope that they're just relaxing and chilling right. with their friends. And so this then is not a homesickness transition discussion. This is a, you know, what a kid needs to do. What you need to encourage your kid to do with their summer. So homesickness is, it, there is a transition that occurs right. to many kids when they go to camp, which is perfectly normal. It's hard. I Sometimes, would think it's part of the anxiety. Yeah. Well, I think it, it gets worsened when kids don't know how to just relax and be. Um, if a kid is happy-go-lucky and chilled and relate and can relate to others and has that connection, then it's easier for them to let go right. and to be away from mom and dad and from their siblings and their, their creature comforts of their of their own uh, their own home, and then they can they can just chill out more. But there is another aspect of that, which is that people do have difficulty transitioning. Um, most people do. It's not right. you know, and that's not a sign of anything wrong. Right. And, most people don't like change. Yeah, and and that's fine. You know, if it's a couple of days that the kid's having a hard time, you know, especially the first summer, you might even expect right. it to be a week or longer that you know a child is or a parent for that matter. You know, putting your kid on right. the bus for the first time, right. first child. You know, it's not the you know, yes. I not, speak. I can speak from experience on know, that one. <laughs> you know, that night, like, oh no, what's happening to them? I mean, that's normal. That's nothing to be worried about. That's just you know a, a transition to or from. Also, by the way, there's also the transitioning from on the other side of camp that when they come back, right. you know, having s- some sort of adequate structure in the weeks right. uh, between camp and school that right. holds them and contains them enough, but isn't overwhelming, sort of having, you know. And they're also used to a little bit of independence, right? Even though right. they're in camp still, they're away from family, right. et cetera, right? Right. And they might have changed during camp. Right. They might have uh, met new people who are good influences or maybe not such a good influences. Right. And, you know, those are, those are, those have to be navigated um well, one of the things we've done for that also is we have these one-session meetings at our office. Um, people often think of psychotherapy as being many years, decades, multiple times a week, <laughs> you know, uh, ex- enormous um, uh, investment of time and, and energy and, and finances for that matter. What we often do around camp time is offer single sessions that parents um, will either come themselves or they'll bring their child for one session and meet with a member of my staff. Month of June. Typically, this time of year, right. yeah, and either because it could, often it's because either they or or one of their siblings had a difficult adjustment the previous right. year, but it could it really should be done prophylactically, like before there's an issue. If there's any concern that there might be an issue, bring them in and or have a conversation with someone uh, uh, um, with a professional. Just what are the issues? How do I navigate this? Um, and really, because the. The general advice that I'm saying now really does have to be tailored to each individual. Hmm, interesting. But those discussions are in a group, right? Or not? Are those discussions? No. In, those no, are those are individual. Yeah, those yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, we don't have groups for this kind of thing because right. it, it, it really is individually, individually tailored. All right. So now uh, uh, one of the most sensitive topics, of course, is that uh, every parent, especially these days, is concerned about p- potential for their children to, God forbid, be abused right. in, in a summer camp atmosphere. There are other atmospheres as well, but let's start with one of the most obvious, which is summer camp. Right. And you, based on, I don't know if the study you told me about in advance of this program, I don't know if it's been published. It has. Is yeah, it, it available to the public? Yes, it, yes. The full text is actually available online with PubMed. So Okay, so people need to know that. I, Anything we're going to cite is actually published already and out there. Correct, just last month. Yeah. And and let's put it this way, the, the percentages that were discovered uh, in our community, in the Jewish community, all right. facets of the Jewish community, all, all, all parts of the Jewish community, 
the the percentage, even though they're not alarming, alarming compared to general community, nonetheless are alarming enough. Is that a good way of putting it? I think they're quite alarming. You do think so? It's not more the prevalence of sexual, according to the research that I did. Um, and this has been uh, found with other uh, research groups who have done similar work in the Jewish community. The prevalence of sexual abuse is not higher than it right. is in the greater community, not uh, at least not, not among Orthodox or non-Orthodox. Right. It's not. Nonetheless, it's too high because it's too high everywhere. And the, the numbers that came out of our study were one, one in six boys and one in four girls. And we're not just talking about unwanted touch. This right. is, this is uh, something serious is abuse cases. a problem. Um, so now that parents are hearing this and the evidence is in, so to speak, right, what you would call empirical evidence that people could actually read and, and follow up on, right, because they could see this study, right. what additional advice, in addition to everything we've said for years about these types of things to our audience, what would you say to parents before summer camp? The most important prevention aspect thing, and also which, if God forbid there is something that occurs, serves as a treatment the most important thing to right. do here is to make sure that the lines of communication are open, and it cannot be stressed enough. What that means is typically having a simple conversation with a child at some point in their early developmental period um, when it's appropriate for the child, which is about sometimes people do things which are in inappropriate. Um, or make one feel uncomfortable. Make people feel uncomfortable. And if that happens, it's very important that you come and talk to me about it. It's just that that's the most important thing is to make sure that the child feels comfortable coming to the parent with something that is un it is uncomfortable to them if it occurs and that the parent and child can speak it out and that the child has mentorship to be able to handle it. There's nothing more important. Here. And the more one says that to their child, I would guess, the more likely... In the eventuality, the child would turn to the parent. Well, this is something that has to be drummed into them, Yes right? and no. Yes and no. What has to be drummed into them is that the parent um, is there for them, can guide them, un loves them unconditionally. That's also related to what we were saying before about chilling, because if you have these expectations of your child, then they might want to socially appear a certain way to the parent and present mm -hmm. as being more strong than they really are, or as though nothing happened to me, or something did happen, but it doesn't really matter. But if we can convey the message that we accept our kids the way they are, that we love them for who they are, no matter what has happened to them or what might happen to them, and that we're there for them no matter what. So that message has to be drummed in. I don't think, talk to me about abuse if it occurs right. over and over, I think that might make a kid um, more anxious than right. they need or to be. paranoid. Yeah. Um, um, so I think it has to be said definitely at least once and clearly prior to going to camp. Um but beyond Should that, the recommendation be made by a parent that there are going to be certain adults there, whether it's older siblings or, you know, I don't know, people in camp that, that we as your parents are familiar with already, division heads, uh, head of camp, that you, my child, can go to and speak to in this type of situation? That's a great tool to have confederates, to have people who are either in the camp community, right. if you will, that the child can go to because the parent doesn't have access. I, I think that's fine. Again, it's all about communication. Right. I, the cases that I've seen where people have an abuse history and it turned very problematic for them in terms of their emotional functioning, all of them, 100% of those cases were where the lines of communication broke down between the child and the parents. And as a result, the child didn't get the guidance or the protection that they needed. Wow, what a statement. Very important and a great tip pre-summer for all parents out there. And it uh, can't be emphasized enough. And frankly, 
when you think of preventative measures, it's one of the easiest things one can do. So simple. You know, it's uh, and and look what one could, God forbid, be preventing. Right. Um, good piece of advice. Um, Dr. David Ross Marin is here. We're talking about uh, pre-summer jitters, anxiety, different things that both potential campers um, and uh, and parents are going through at this time of the year as summer camp is upon us. Information about everything we discussed, by the way, centerforanxiety.org. Their offices are on West 57th Street in New York, Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, Route 59 up in Suffern. What's the subject of your book, by the way? What's it called? Ah, thanks. Spirituality, Religion, and Cognitive Behavior Therapy, a Guide for Clinicians. Hmm. So this is a book for um, people in the mental health field who want to learn how to talk to their patients about spiritual and religious issues. Interesting. And they themselves don't necessarily have to be not necessarily spiritual or religious. Not necessarily. In That's order, correct. In order to do that. That's correct. Um, do you, by the way, and this may be a loaded question only because of your background, but would you say in general that the only that that someone who is guided 100% by religion and the majority of the people in this audience are okay. quite obviously um, should seek out help from somebody who can intelligently speak about even possibly from experience religious and spiritual issues you're talking about seeking out a therapist yeah. who does um, in general for mental health advice in general for mental health advice um, spiritual and religious issues are often very closely connected to mental health um, in both positive and negative ways. Um, in fact, we just had an event last night about this subject in, uh, in Crown Heights yeah. entitled uh, Spiritual Struggles and Mental Health. Um, and it was uh, a discussion, a panel led by David Braid, in fact, who's right, uh, right here in the studio, um, with myself and Elad Norai, who's um, really, a really awesome, awesome dude. Um, and, uh, we spoke about the experiential aspects of it. So bottom line, uh, what came out of our discussion last night is that, uh, spirituality can be a very powerful guiding force, like you've said. Right. And for that very reason, it can be something that helps a lot of people in their mental health. And it can also be an area in which people struggle. Most, uh, individuals who have a religious background are in a religious community when they have mental health, uh, concerns, they take a religious framework. The aspects of spirituality are relevant to their symptoms. So how could you not go to a clinician who's going to be able to discuss those with you? Now, do they have to be from your faith? Not necessarily. Some people feel more comfortable speaking about their religion with someone who's outside of the faith. Right. And that's fine. Um, but the point is to go to a clinician who's going to respect it, who's going to recognize the positive and negative aspects of faith and how those relate to their mental health and to help uh, a patient to gain clarity around that issue. Those are the main. Those are the main points. Well, good luck with the book. Thank you. It sounds like one that uh, the academics and clinicians are going to appreciate greatly. I hope so. Who publishes a book like that? So Guilford Publications. Oh, we've heard of them. Guilford I think. Press. Yeah, they do a lot of the uh, uh, modern psychology clinical Very kind of nice. books. So pre-summer meetings. Contact yes. any of your locations. Go to the website. What do you want people to do? Any of our meetings, any of our locations. Um, they can definitely call the call the office, and you have that number. They can definitely go to the website. Um, I just want to mention something. If sure. parents have a concern about how, or a question about how to speak to their children about that sensitive topic of abuse that we were speaking about, or if they have other questions about this area, 
Uh, as you know, we offer these uh, free 30-minute consultations for anybody in the community. Right. People can call our office, whether they're parents, whether they're educators, whether they're camp directors or potential counselors. People can call our office, and it's a service that we provide, and we love to provide it. My clinicians love doing it. They say, hey, I got a 30-minute consult. That's great, because <laughs> they're, they're very happy to be able to provide this free guidance and, and service to people. Um, so people can just call the office, and uh, we're very happy to, um, to, to try to help them in a limited way. All right. Uh, the Center for Anxiety, they are at um, West 57th Street in New York. They're up in Suffern. They're in Brooklyn and Crown Heights. They have an office in Massachusetts as well. And there is a phone number, as Dr. David Ross Marin mentioned, there is a phone number to call, 1-888-837-7473, 1-888-837-7473. Website, centerforanxiety.org, centerforanxiety.org. You can subscribe there to their newsletter as well on the site. And be in touch. They're offering free service, which is pretty amazing. And, of course, a lot of great advice pre-summer. Uh, for parents who uh, would like to seek some additional advice uh, to strengthen the, um, uh, the, um, I guess we'd say the the strategies for strengthen the the whole strategic outlook of how a parent prepares their kid for camp. Strategic is exactly the word. Yeah. You can't just amble into parenthood and being, uh, you know, doing it well. Yeah, exactly. I thank you very very much, Doctor Ross Marin. Okay, it was all, always wonderful to see you. Thank you. It's great seeing you. Stay. As chilled as possible. <laughs> and you too. I appreciate that. <laughs> Centerforanxiety.org. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. Thank <laughs> Melech Malchem Thank <laughs> you. 
J.M. in the A.M. want to thank Jeremy Levin, has just donated from Melbourne, Australia. And he's got a nice message here as well. Wishing Mazdaf to Nachum Siegel on 35 years of broadcasting. The NSN app, he says, it's an indispensable staple of my day. May you continue to advance. Mikhail Ohio. Thank you. Gedalia Levin in Melbourne, Australia. For your donation, fjbunity.org. Day two of our fundraiser, fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org. Everybody who loves JM and the AM, everybody wants to see us survive for another year. After these 35 incredible years, I ask you to call, or I should ask you to log on to fjbunity.org. I am told that Senator Lieberman is with us live via telephone. It is no secret that one of the highlights of Yom Embassy for us was when uh, Senator Joe Lieberman joined us live from the Embassy Celebration in Jerusalem. He's out with a brand new book, which we get to discuss with him. Senator Joe Lieberman, welcome back to JM in the AM. Nachum, great to be with you. How, how you doing? Everything is wonderful. We were so thankful to yeah, you for joining. We were so thankful to you for joining us on Embassy Day. It made it a real. Chag Sameach for us, and and I know just just for for twenty seconds, just tell us again how amazing that experience was. Well, it was amazing. I do want to say first that as I was coming out of the ceremony, and you know it was like a simcha, of course, and therefore a lot of people you knew, and I ran into Ruben Margolis. Right now, now did really to have full disclosure, as we say in politics. I know Ruben Margolis because long before I met my Ishes Chayel Hadassah, Ruben actually dated Hadassah. Oh, is that so, funny? When oh. they were both in uh, Boston. She was at BU, I think he was at Harvard. Oh, anyway, is that funny? So he's a, he's a wonderful guy. So as I'm coming out, I see him, I say hello, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I'm on with Nachum and JM in the AM. Would you talk to him? So I said, really, do I have a choice? Of course I have to talk. Anyway, that was the moment. Sun was shining, beautiful day. So to go back to your question, I mean, it was a thrilling day. And really, it was a thrilling day for Israel, for Yerushalayim. And I must say, I felt it personally. I mean, obviously, for Israel and, and Jerusalem, it was just another step toward thing, uh, Israel is here to stay, and Jerusalem is obviously its historic capital, uh, and now the 
the uh, strongest, the greatest nation in the world, United States of America, finally moves its embassy. And honestly, you have to uh, thank uh, President Trump for it uh, because he had the the guts to to do it. I, I was involved. And why do I say personally? I mean, apart from the fact that I, you know, generally am a, a, a Zionist, to put it in one word. Uh, in 1995, I was privileged to work in the Senate with three other really great people. Bob Dole, who was the Republican leader at the time, John Kyle, a wonderful senator from Arizona, sort of my contemporary, Pat Moynihan, a great Democratic senator from New York, of course, and myself. And we were the four who really worked hardest, I would say, but we had a lot of support on the Jerusalem Embassy Relocation Act passed. I think it was 93-4-5 against. Big, big bipartisan vote gets adopted. Unfortunately, President Clinton, who said that he favored moving the embassy to Jerusalem, thought it was the wrong time because uh, it would uh, hurt the peace process that had um, obviously begun in a big way just two years before with the Oslo Accords and Rabin and Arafat with Clinton on the White House lawn. So Anyway, they they forced us to put in this waiver uh, for presidents every six months, and uh, beginning with Clinton, then going to um, President Bush, uh, 43, and then President Obama, they waived it every six months. And um, then, to, again, giving credit where it's due, even though President Trump um, just said this is wrong this is obviously Israel's capital. We're, we're putting our embassy in West Jerusalem. It doesn't affect the peace process. And I would add, as he didn't, unless somebody thinks that the Israelis are going to give up Jerusalem or, or West Jerusalem, <laughs> right. forget about it. So anyway, it was, it was just a great day, a wonderful uh, ceremony. I was, you know, David Friedman, our ambassador, is a friend of mine. He's a partner in the law firm. He was a partner in the law firm. I'm with now, so it was a thrill for me to see him in this role, and I think he just handled it beautifully. There was tremendous participation by the Christian evangelical community, and yeah. it was just, it was just a, a very memorable day. And I, I you know, I felt very grateful uh, to be there, really, and to be part of it. And we were grateful that you helped us feel part of it. Uh, Senator Joe Lieberman is with us live via telephone. There's a, there's a brand new book. It's called "With Liberty and Justice." The 50-day journey from Egypt to Sinai. Senator Joe Lieberman with Rabbi Ari Khan. It's an OU Press Magid release. You can find it at magidbooks.com. Senator Lieberman, why did you write the book? Well, you know, this was something that was in me for a long time. And uh, just as the Shabbat book that I did, oh, about five years ago was in me, and I took the time in a way, I had the time to write it because I decided not to run again. <laughs> so in the time that I probably would have been spent going around America trying to raise millions of dollars for my reelection, I was able to work on that book. And I was so grateful for the reaction to it. And again, I say at the beginning of this book, as I did at that one, I'm obviously not a, a rabbi. I'm a, I'm a caring Jew. I'm, I'm proud to be a Jew. I, I take great strength from you know, our traditions, halakha, et cetera, uh, and, um, uh, and I wanted to record that and, and see if I could draw people, uh, more people in. So it was, and this book is both about Shavuot and about the law. I mean, it's about Shavuot in the sense that 
you know, I've always felt something is un, is wrong, almost unfair that that uh, Pesach is the most observed of Jewish holidays, and then Shavuot, which is connected so deeply to Pesach, uh, is probably the least observed of the Chagim, even though it completes the story. And that's where I make the larger point about the law in Jewish tradition. Um, uh, Hashem liberated the children of Israel, B'nai Israel, from Egypt uh, and slavery, and not just to wander free in the desert or even to stay in Egypt and be equal citizens. Uh, we were we were liberated for a purpose, which is to go to Har Sinai and to receive the law, the Ten Commandments, the Torah, and um, and really what what happened there was the beginning of. Um, legal systems, both obviously in the Jewish world, but in the in the world generally, and particularly in the Western world. And so I, I try to talk both about Shavuot, uh, bring more people to it, and uh, about um, the importance of that day and about what the law means. We need law. If we just, freedom is not enough. Freedom is our birthright. Right. But with just freedom and not law and the values of law, there would be chaos. There would be uh, it would be like it was in the time of Noah, chaos, immorality, uh, maybe even self-destruction. Part with of the, the law, we have a chance for justice. Part of the book, and no doubt part of your research, uh, is the Ten Commandments. We know how central they are, yes. not, not only to the holiday of Shavuot and the giving of the Torah, but of course to our tradition, and I'm sure you would argue to to all of Western tradition at this point, and maybe even other societies. I mean, the Ten Commandments are in fact. Right. You know the bedrock of, uh, of of laws that you just described. Uh, did did you get after researching it and you give an analysis of each one of the Ten Commandments? Uh, anything additional at, at this stage of your life that you either learned about them or felt about them, or 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 you know, you can describe in terms of their role in this world. You know, different than what you knew before uh, you you know went into this deep analysis of each of these Ten Commandments. That's a really interesting question, Malcolm, because it, 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 writing a book like this is a learning experience. So you, you're researching to some extent. Um, uh, I was paired with Rabbi Ari Khan, who's a wonderful scholar. Amazing. From uh, Bar-Ilan University. So he, he sort of informed. We had great discussions. We were like a, uh, a you know, a, 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 we had our own little study group. But I will tell you that there were insights as I began. Now, how do I, because as you know, I, I uh, put this book together in 50 short essays. And it, part of that is it can be read for every day of the Almer, um, but, or it can be read separately. But right. each of them is uh, one and a half to two or three, or maybe at most four pages. And so how do you try to make a point about the commandments? So, But it, I did have new insights, some of them about the Ten Commandments. Uh, some of them are sort of obvious, but if you step back and look at the Ten Commandments as the promulgation of a system of law, right at the beginning, you know, I, I am Hashem, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, is a, is, what better way for a legal system to begin? It's not really a commandment, it's a statement of the authority by which the rest of the commandments are issued from Hashem. Right. And also the immediate linkage to taking you out of Egypt and slavery, which links Hashem to the concept of justice and freedom. So it just struck me that that was a foundation point that most legal systems don't have, although we adopted, our founders in America adopted 
very similar words in the Declaration of Independence. The, the second thing uh, just comes to mind quickly is the, the 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 last commandment about not not coveting, and um, it it just struck me with a clarity that this is the kind of law that no uh, secular legal system could or really should adopt. Good because point. The, That's a great right, point. Because, <laughs> right, because we don't, we, you know, the law can't tell you how to feel. It can, can't tell you not to cover your neighbor's property or, um, God forbid, your neighbor's wife. But the Torah can. And, and the point there is that envy and coveting, to use the word, are actually the the though they're inside the person are the origin of so many um, so many acts of bad behavior such as a theft because you're co- coveting your neighbor's property adultery because you're coveting another woman and even in um, in international relations a nation or a leader covets another nation's property right. say, and and that leads to aggression and invasion so. You know I mean, which, those are some some reactions. That's you know which your one, question is an excellent one. I appreciate that. You know which one I really I, I mean again, I think each one of them you have a, a perfect example of what you just described, but on the on the simplicity of do not steal. And you have to admit there are a couple of commandments yeah. that are really simple. Like <laughs> two words, yeah. you know, <laughs> don't steal. Right. It, it, it's amazing right. it's amazing that that the reason as you point out, the reason that it has to be so simple and so broad is because every generation like we see now in social media, identity theft, etc., has its own definition right. of what stealing is and if it was too specific right. that people you know would think of excuses here it's so broad that every generational you know criminal act <laughs> could somehow fit under that umbrella and i thought that's a great point thank you for that i mean when you think about it the torah might have said don't steal your neighbor's uh, cow right. or ox correct but uh, which would have been quite relevant uh, and of course nobody could have dreamed that <laughs> That it should say identity Don't theft. Your neighbor's identity <laughs> on the internet, but that's where we are. Senator Joe Lieberman with us. The book is called "With Liberty and Justice: The 50-Day Journey from Egypt to Sinai." It's done with Rabbi Ari Khan. It's OU Press, Magid Books. Go to magidbooks.com. So now it's 2018. It's the United States of America, and you know you're in a country that essentially, as you just described earlier, is built mainly on the Ten Commandments and has a, has a great similarity. And great, I don't just mean great in terms of vastness. I mean great in terms of, you know, level of affection. Great similarity to our tradition, frankly. So, right. wh- so why do we have a country that, unfortunately, it seems, on a regular basis, is going further and further down from those values as opposed to strengthening those values? Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, first, let me validate what you've said. And I... I Briefly, because this is not a detailed historical book, but you can trace the Ten Commandments um, adopted by Christianity, both by the Catholic Church pretty early in its history. St. Thomas Aquinas said the Ten Commandments were, in their view, the, the perfect embodiment of the natural law that God gave to the human race, because on our own we couldn't understand what was naturally right. Then in the Protestant Reformation, uh, like a thousand years later, a little more, um, comes John Calvin, particularly for the English minister theologian, and he, he puts the Torah, the, 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 what we would not today call the Hebrew Bible, 
Uh, but the Ten Commandments, particularly at the center of the Protestant Reformation, it gets adopted um, to a great degree in the um, Anglo-Saxon system of law from England. And then it's brought here to America by the by the pilgrims who were followers of uh, Calvin, and it, it's reflected uh, deeply in our uh, founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and then in all that uh, followed. And, and look, we've strayed away from them, and, and um, I had the uh, opportunity and privilege to write a brief op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal last Friday about this very topic, and to to talk about the ways in which both in public life and in private lives um, uh, we've we've strayed from the the guidance and and um, and values of the Ten Commandments, and really, even though they're quite old, you know, they're yeah. timeless, and we really ought to find our way back both in public life and private life, uh, to the values that are expressed in, you know, the, the Ten Commandments. There's no, be- no better guide. And the great thing is that they really are broadly accepted, certainly by Christianity, to us. I, I learned in my research on this book, to a significant degree, by Islam. I mean, this is like the old uh, joke of Bibi Netanyahu when he went to uh, India, and he said, we, we, our alliance together has... Um, uh, one billion uh, three hundred and uh, eight million people, uh, Mr. Prime Minister Modi of India. Of course, one billion and three hundred million of them are Indians, and right. eight million are Jews. <laughs> but in this case, one could say, if you put the Christians, Muslims, and Jews together, uh, you probably got close to uh, four billion people on Earth. Um, uh, four about 14 million of them who are Jewish, who really accept the um, the Ten Commandments. And certainly the Christians do, the 2.2 billion Christians in the world. So, Well, the point, uh, the, point you made er- the point you made earlier in this conversation is so vital, and that is that with freedom you need values. With freedom that we enjoy, yeah. you need, and, and, and no matter what type of freedom it is, whether it's governmental freedom in the form of libertarianism or other government regulations, etc., or... Uh, if it's just freedom in general, you know, in a society that calls for freedom and 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 embraces right. it, you need values. Otherwise, it's uh, it, it's going. There's going to be a breakdown in society. And frankly, I don't want to say that we are in a situation of a breakdown in society, but you know that there's certain areas of our society that do need a little bit of fixing. <laughs> so. They really do. They really do. I mean, it's human nature, and I think that was Hashem's vision. You you could say, and I hear I'm editorializing that by the time of Yitzias Mitzrayim. The, uh, we've ha- we had examples of, uh, of a society that essentially was free, but no law. And that was, uh, uh the time of Noah, right. which was a bad time. And then when, when, when B'nai Israel got to Egypt, it ended up being a society of essentially all law and, and no freedom because Pharaoh was, was the, uh, the total law. And, um, uh, you know, from the beginning when Moshe Rabbeinu pleads with, Paro to let my people go. It's always to serve Hashem. Um, uh, it, in other words, it's a, it's freedom, mm-hmm. but with a purpose, which is to serve Hashem to go to Har Sinai to get what, um, what my rabbi, when I was growing up, called uh, our uh, the Jewish mission statement, the national purpose. I remember him, Rabbi Aaron Krantz in Stanford, saying sure. that really we were we were a tribe, a, a big tribe, when we left. 
um, Egypt, but we were not a nation, um, and we, we, we really became a nation at Harsinai when we got our, our purpose, one, one might say our, our destiny, in the, uh, in the law and the rest of our history has been in some ways a, um, an, an attempt to realize those uh, values in our own lives and, and in the, the Jewish state of Israel. And yeah. I think that's part of what we, what we were trying to celebrate in um, in Jerusalem two weeks ago. No question about it. Uh, okay, I got, we got to wrap it up. I just have to tell you first, Senator Lieberman, just like you did yes. with just like you did with the gift of rest, where you made sure to give a very important shout out to a Shabbos morning newspaper and cereal. I was very proud that you included in this Shavuos book the importance of good overnight dairy desserts uh, during Shavuos Torah study. So I was very very happy with you. You, you. you know that I like the fact that you lay it all out there on the table and you and you, and you, you talk about the mundane and the important in the very same paragraph. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, listen, thank you for appreciating that. And, uh, I hope you had a nice, I hope you had a delicious schmooze. I hope you had a delicious schmooze. We do. We were in Baltimore with our youngest, uh, who lives there with her husband and four little boys. Uh, thank God. And we had a, we had a delicious, uh, we had a wonderful <laughs> spiritual, but also a great gastronomical Shavuos. And I'm doing tshuva. I'm doing gastronomical tshuva this week. <laughs> like everybody <laughs> else. <laughs> like everybody else. Oh, I think, I think, I think our staff member of Rabbi Finkelstein down in Baltimore mentioned that he said hi to you on, uh, so yes, yeah, we we have he, we have authentication did. that you were actually down there. Yeah, good luck. Community there. Good luck with the thank book, you, and thank friend. you so much for joining me. Great to talk to you. Be well. Bye. Thank you so much. With liberty and justice, the fifty-day journey from Egypt to Sinai, Senator Joe Lieberman, with Rabbi Ari Khan. Always a delight to speak with Senator Lieberman. He is amazing. We are in the midst of fundraiser 2018, our spring fundraiser. Day three, our final day of the spring fundraiser is tomorrow. And I hope everybody out there joins us at some point between today and tomorrow uh, in uh, in helping us to keep on going here at JM and the AM. It's pretty simple. The system's pretty simple. You have an envelope. If you're on our mailing list, you have an envelope in your home that's arrived by mail. Please return it to us with a generous donation. That would be wonderful. Um. Secondly, if you want to go to the web right now, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Uh, you can contribute this moment as we speak. And I thank everybody who's been donating, a lot of great people out there. Um, I want to thank David Weintraub, who has just donated to Three Times High from Oak Park, Michigan, in honor of the marriage during the past year of grandchildren Yaakov Tzvi and Etty Weintraub and Moishi and Kayla Weintraub with love from Zadie Dave and Bubby Sarah Wayne Trout, thank you very much for that. I want to thank, um, give me a moment here. Oh, by the way, that's another way you can give. If you want to send us simply a uh, a statement of donation, you want us to send us an email uh, telling us uh, your name and address and how much you'd like to donate, you can do that at Nahum at NahumSiegel.com. Listener Renee just did that. Renee Rothschild has donated 10 times high in honor of her children and grandchildren and in honor of the soldiers of the IDF. Thank you very much fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, the easiest way to participate with us in our fundraiser. Um, all through the day, we're going to be asking people, certainly through our live programming at 1 p.m., uh, we're going to be asking people to to give. We're going to be asking you to spread the word, to share our links for fjbunity.org on Facebook and throughout all of social media. 
Uh, we're asking you to participate with us in that way, and I hope you will. And um, and uh, we will uh, we will uh, hopefully have another great and successful day today, and another great and successful day tomorrow with your help, and we greatly appreciate it. Coming up. Unlocking Greatness with Charlie Harari, Spin Class with Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder. At 10 o'clock, Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs. At 10.30, Miriam L. Wallach is joined by Chaplain Ira Cronenberg, U.S. Army retired, who served for 36 years in the U.S. military. They'll commemorate Memorial Day, which is this coming weekend, of course. Live Lunch will be asking you to contribute and to spread the word from 11 o'clock until 1 o'clock. Then JM Rewind, then the Arab Shabbos show tonight with Mark Zamek, sponsored by our wonderful friends at Kedem. And a full Friday slate tomorrow. Make sure to join us for the weekly update and much, much more. Achenu Israel and Achim our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a Thursday for us here at JM and the AM. Charlie Harari's next. Great programming all through today. I speak to you live again at 11 a.m. and again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.